to hold and give and do it at the right time. And the right time is now for a podcast about the football, but one that was shot in the not-too-distant past because my compadre over there in his fishing jacket attire, what it looks like to me, because I can't see the bottom half of his body. It looks like you're going out for a fish there, Jackins. It's his birthday this week, so he's got the day off. Hey, uh, I've, I've, I'm dressed like if Han Solo was into the music of Massive Attack. That's how I'm, that's how I'm uh, phrasing it today. <laughs> it looks very comfortable, but we are here with a placeholder podcast, no Premier League, well, no international review, all that sort of malarkey. Uh, so we are doing a bit of a placeholder thing where we are going to pick our Premier League team of the season. It is back this weekend after the bar, after the international break, I should say. Congratulations, England, for your two wins. Probably. I don't know. Uh, they're going to win, yeah. aren't they? Pointless games, out of these ones? Congratulations to Darwin Nunes for being a giant puppy as well. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, well, we're recording this. It's the uh, it's the day after uh, Uruguay versus Argentina. And just Darwin Nunes, just like leaping about the pitch like some kind of Labrador dog. He's wonderful. Did he score? He did, yeah. Oh my God, it's going to snow tonight. Anyway, Premier League team of the season so far. We're going to go through position by position because we both... Well, I've got a definite 4-3-3. Jackson's got more of a flexible 4-3-3 come... What is it? 4-3-3 come 4-2-4? What is it? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. My process behind this, because obviously team of the season, it'd be, it'd be far too easy to just pick an 11 made solely of players from City, Liverpool and Spurs. So we've tried to spread it out and I have still gone a little Liverpool heavy but I've just yeah 4-3 let's say 4-3-3 but a nice a nice uh, bag of revels of a 4-3-3 Shall I tell you what I've done in picking my team I've done something wild right I've picked who I believe have been, has been the best player in that position this season Mm. Apart from one, because I had to squeeze in somebody who's sort of out of position, but it's not too egregious, so I'm happy with that. Anyway, we'll get to that a bit later on. Yeah. Goalkeeper. I feel like it's one of two answers, and I feel like we will have the two answers on either side of this Zoom call right now. I've got Vicario from Spurs, and I assume you've got Alisson from Liverpool. I've got Alisson from Liverpool, <laughs> and in, in the words of uh, Royston, let, let's not take the piss now. <laughs> But Vicario, uh, though, it's the big thing for Vicario with me. It's just he doesn't feel like he's put a foot wrong so far this season. The difference from what Hugo Lloris was, Newcastle obviously put him in retirement with that 6-0, or the five goals in the first half last season. Mm-hmm. The difference from what Lloris was then to what Vicario is now is it couldn't be any bigger. He's absolutely fantastic. A relative unknown as well, I'd say, for many Premier League fans. I'm, I'm definitely one of those who had no idea who he was before Spurs signed him. But my God, he looks like the dog's bollocks. But Alisson is also very good. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like you're saying with Vicario, he's kind of the, the I'd say, the undersung hero of that Spurs squad so far because, uh, as I'm sure we'll get into later, there's a couple more players get the headlines. For me, it's Alisson Becker. Um, Liverpool have conceded the fewest goals, uh, joint fewest, along with Arsenal. Think back to his save against Miggy in the Newcastle game. He's He was our most important player last season, and I'd argue he still is this season as well. Yeah, he's not bad, is he? So there's our goalkeepers. Let us know who your goalkeeper and the rest of your 11s are down below. Right back. It's one of two for me. Is Was it an easy one for you? Um, I think that there's an out and out best right back in the league. Uh, actually, no, you, you go first. I was just like, caught in a drift in a stream there. <laughs> right, I my, think- t- 
My two contenders for right back were Kieran Trippier and Kyle Walker, just because first and foremost, mm. I think Kyle Walker is still the best right back in the league, but also Kieran Trippier, up until very recently, was having another good season where he was running games from right back. He was up there in assists and FPL points, if that's even a barometer to pick these teams by. But I assume it is for the kids. I don't put too much stock in it. But Kieran Trippier, he's had a couple of Western Super Mares, which has been quite symptomatic of the Newcastle team fairly recently. So because of that little dip in form, he was good against Arsenal. He was crap against Wolves. He was crap against Bournemouth. But because of that dip in form, I've got to go Kyle Walker because he is he's just the best right back in the league isn't he see I've gone for Kieran Trippier and as I was saying there like you said Kyle Walker is still head and shoulders above the the, the rest of him he's an arsehole but yeah. he's a hell of a player but Trippier um, like I said I, I felt I needed to get someone from Newcastle there because he's he's just class he's class and even though you said he's had a couple of western supermares as we like to say in the biz um, when you look good he's still at the front of the conversation and when you've looked bad he's he, he's taken it He's taken his leadership roles have come out, like you're saying, that the confrontation with a fan last week, but he's he's not shying away from it, is he? So class. It's passion, spelled P-A-H-U-N. Passion. Two centre backs, Sharkins. Give me your two centre backs. Right. So they both uh, occupy the same position, but leave me off there. I've gone for Ruben Diaz and Virgil van Dyke. Oh, Van Dyke! Diaz. <laughs> Van Dyke's refound his form uh, after a couple of uh, iffy seasons, you know, after the, the the Pickford injury. But he's looked imperious at times. And like I said, Liverpool joint fewest conceded. Uh, I think we've only conceded 10, same as Arsenal. And Van Dyke is pretty much our constant in the centre-back role with a kind of rotating cast around him. Uh, Ruben, Ruben Diaz, like I said, I know he occupies technically the that uh, same side as Van Dijk, but City have only conceded 12. If it wasn't for that mental game against Chelsea, they were on eight before that. And I think, yeah, Diaz is class. He is class, isn't he? My two centre-backs is maybe the form centre-half in the league and probably the best new centre-back in the league. Again, William Saliba, for me, has been the form centre-back in the league this season, as he was for much of last season, of course, getting Arsenal close to the title, maybe even a little bit close this season. We don't know, do we? But the other one, I think he's just coming there again, a relative unknown for many Premier League fans, me included once again, but Mickey van der Ven of Tottenham. I think he is... They missed him greatly when he was uh, when he didn't play against Wolves the other day. There's West Satir a couple of weeks ago when this goes live, or a week and a half ago when this goes live. But yeah, again, he just he's like like uh, like Vicario and goal. He's just slotted in there. Looked like he's been in the Premier League for many years. We all know it takes certain players a lot of time to bed into the Premier League. You don't often see their best form until the second season. But he's just dropped in there against all the odds, fitting in with how Spurs have been basically since I've just taken over. And I just think he just looks the dog's bollocks, much like the goalkeeper. Yeah, he's uh, like you're saying about uh, pleading your ignorance to him before the season. The only way I knew him is that, again, Liverpool, he was one of a thousand players we were heavily linked with. So I had a look at him. Um, but yeah, like you said, to, to settle into a new league is an ask for any player. But I think especially so in that centre-back position. Uh, and like I said, Saliba's class, but I've gone for uh, a different a different uh, player from Arsenal in the back four. Yeah, right. Left back. You doggy for me. Zinchenko for me. Oh. It's interesting how different we are going so far. Mm. Why Zinchenko? Uh, like I was saying, it, he's part of that back four. I only conceded 10. Um, it, 
he's just mustard. Usually, obviously, my heart is on the fullbacks with Liverpool, but our fullbacks haven't been particularly anything to write home about this season. So I've been looking elsewhere, but Zinchenko is the one I, I take when I'm doing a team of the season. I take it on which players would I gladly have in this little side. Uh, he's just good. He's really good. He's oh, how many seasons has he been in the Premiership now? Is it five? Maybe. Yeah, maybe a little bit maybe. more. As a left back, though, I think it's been around about five. Yeah. Yeah, but he's because um, when he made that switch over to Arsenal, I thought it was a bit of a curious one. I was like, oh, let's let's this has worked out. But like you said, they went right to the to the brink last season, um, and. They've, they've started well. I, I think some were thinking they'd start a bit more on fire than they have already, but what are they th- third, fourth, third? Yeah. Third now, aren't they? They're up there, yeah. aren't they? They're up there. Yeah. That's the most important thing. But yeah, you doggy, it's the same topic as like Vicky uh, Van der Ven and Vicario. Just, I know they signed them like uh, uh, the summer before last summer um, and loaned them out, then got them back into the club. Um, but yeah, he's just he, his attack in football is obviously very impressive, but also his one on one defending. I think he's up there, one of the best mm. in the league. I know he's had a couple of rash moments, the game in Chelsea being a prime example with his two footer that he wasn't sent off for for some reason. But I just think, again, at, at the Italy appearance he had at Wembley. Um, he was probably Italy's best player on the night. I know Italy got beat on the night against England, um, but he was probably their best player. I just think he's, again, he's somehow, he's one of those players who's just slotted in. Like he's played in the Premier League for many years. And I just think Spurs have maybe been the most impressive team of the season so far. I've got one more Spurs player. I've got two more Spurs players. I've got a lot of Spurs players in my team of the season so far. But I think it's justified because they've torn up all the trees that many, well, I don't assume most people just didn't expect them to tear up. Yeah, and I, I, I've got two more Spurs players in my team, and I assume we've got the same two. Potentially. We'll go on to the mm. midfield. I've got the three in midfield, the bona fide three. The first of on the team sheet of those three for me is maybe the player of the season so far. It's a shame about his recent injury. It's Jimmy Madison of Tottenham. I've also got Jimmy Madison of Tottenham. Um, what more do we need to say about Jimmy Madison of Tottenham? Because you were saying before... It, Obviously, they've they've had a lot of injuries and suspensions recently, but Madison's been the one that's hurt them the most. Right. He has been the catalyst for everything they've done this season. And the second he's out the the squad, they are so much weaker. Uh, he's transformed that side. He's he's boss, isn't he? He is really good. I didn't realize how good he was. I've said it on the Holding Gear Football podcast before. I just thought when Newcastle were linked with him in the summer pretty heavily before he picked Spurs, we were never going to get him because he picked Spurs. He loves that landed life. It would appear. Um, I just yeah. thought he was a number ten, and that's where he played. And I was like, well, that doesn't work with Eddie Howe's four three three because we play with th- sort of three deep deeper midfielders that break forward. That's not his game. But then it turns out with Tottenham, he picks the ball up on the edge of his own box and just moves through the lines, and he would have fit in Eddie. How's Newcastle absolutely wonderfully so yeah I didn't realise how good he was and it's obviously good to see him just showing how good he is for a team like Spurs shame Gareth Southgate doesn't see much in him though which is a bit of a shame <laughs> I was wondering how long it would take for you to have a little sly slap at Gareth Southgate <laughs> it's justified though with Jimmy Madison should be on the, one of the first names on the team she'd I'd argue right other midfielders I'm going to go well my these are two unsung heroes I think of the Premier League unless you are a supporter of their teams so I'm going to go for the first one because I think it's the more justified one. Douglas Louise for Aston Villa. Five goals in 12 games so far this season. He is the driving force in that midfield. I think when he first arrived at Villa from City, um, he was in Manchester City, you know, when he was a young boy. I think he was more of a defensive midfielder, but it feels like under Unai Emery especially, he's become more of that combative sort of box-to-box. John McGinn too. Maybe a little bit better than John McGinn, though. But yeah, he is part of the team who's won 13 home games on the spin now. 23 home goals in the last, well, 
six home games and they find themselves in fifth. So I had to find a position for a Villa player. Watkins has missed out on my team. I can exclusively reveal right now. So Douglas Louise, the driving force in that midfield, he's got to go in there. I've also got Douglas Louise yeah, in my midfield. Wow, I didn't expect that one. Now, um, I think Villa started a little slower than most expected, but like you said, they've turned Villa Park into a literal killing field. Um, he's kicked on already from last season. Last season, he was voted fans player of the season. Like you said, five and 12. Ollie Watkins is one of my honourable mentions as well. He just missed out because six and 12. And like you said, was it 30, 33 in six home games? 36 so, in six home tw- games? 20, 23 in the last six. But the thing with Watkins that made him not in my team, because I was like, oh, you've got to put him in there because it felt like he scored a lot more than he had done. He got a hat-trick in one of the home games. I forget who it was against. But as you say, he's only got six. So he's got three and 11 in the other games. So that was that was what kept him out for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised we've both got the same midfield so far. Uh, we haven't got the, ne- the, the next one the same, that's for sure. Because I've gone... For someone who is not a centre midfielder, but I think he could he could fit in there if push came to shove. Pedro Neto for Wolves oh, was okay. absolutely on fire. He's got the most assists in the league so far this season with, because I didn't write down the number, that's my bad, but he has got the most. I saw his name at the top of the list there on the stats thing on the Premier League website. It's the pace, it's the powers, the precision, the assist, the flair. It's a player I was wanting Newcastle to go for in January because I think it's exactly what we need, just sort of like a bit more of an end product on the wings when you got like the likes of Almiron and not so much Gordon this season. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to hold in a sneeze. I can't tell if you can tell. It's gone. It's gone. But yeah, Pedro Neto. It was such a shame to see him against Newcastle again. That game at Molyneux fairly recently. He got cut down with either it was a, 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 a calf or a thigh prop, or a quad problem. I can't remember what it was. Hamstring, something like that. Um, so it was a shame to see that happen. But yeah, he's been on fire so far this season. Wolves again. Much like um, Spurs, I think people have written them off at the start of the season with what was going on with the manager situation. But big Gary O'Neill's turned it around. And I think Pedro Neto, up until very recently, obviously he wasn't in the game against Spurs. Pedro Neto was probably their main man. So he's in there for me. Yeah, that's a hell of a shout and one that I didn't uh, didn't see coming. I'll give you that. I've gone for a very obvious one in the midfield. Uh, I think he's arguably the best player in the league who's not that robot up front. Uh, it's Rodri. Yeah. He's, what can you say? He's just so good it's, <laughs> to the point where it's just like... I feel not not to the quite the same degree as Madison because City have such ridiculous strength and depth. But I think if they were to lose Rodri for an extended period of time, they'd be buggered. Mm. Um, so, well, it's shown has because they had the cup game at Newcastle. I think it was where he wasn't mm-hmm. available, and just it's, it's obviously not the same team, but the the gap is massive. Yeah. So um, we've when this goes out, I think. It will be a couple of days until Liverpool take on City. So I'm hoping that um, Rodri just, you know, ooh, maybe maybe gets the flu or something. I don't want to don't want a season ender, but maybe out for a week. That'd be lovely. Did you see what happened to Haaland last night? No. Hurt his ankle. Ooh. He came off the bench for Norway. and I, I'm not sure if he finished the game, but I saw, I was reading a news article this morning saying he's got a bit of an ankle problem and he is a doubt as we're sat here on Friday, the 17th of November at 14.22 in the afternoon. Uh, so yeah, it could be a, could be a, a double Brucey bonus for you. Oh, fingers crossed. 
Before we get onto the strikers, we're going to go over to the Roberto Mailbaggio because this is a Holden Gear football podcast. We've got to get this sort of segments in there. We normally do. So let's go to the Mailbaggio. This is from our Instagram feed. Follow that if you want, at Hold Give, just in case some bollocks goes on there. But to be honest with you, there's too many social media platforms at the minute, and I'm struggling to juggle all of them at the same time. <laughs> are, are you still up on threads? Because I know that you liked that when it first came out. I only like it because I've been doing the content creation so long and threads are so new. So you know that people who follow you on threads are actually invested in you still. Because <laughs> mm. I often feel like I've been doing this sort of stuff for that long. There's a lot of people who might have followed me back in 2016 who just don't use Twitter anymore and can't be asked to unfollow. So they just, just see my name and get numb. Well, that's one way of looking at it. <laughs> suppose I, I try and... Yeah, I try and stay clear of most social media, but I've found myself just really back in on it on uh, Instagram recently, which I need to curb again. Oh, it's a lovely place, Instagram, though. All the highlights of people's lives. Anyway, Lizzie Stride replied to our call for the Roberto Mail Baggio, and I guess this is more of a question for you, Jackins, you scouse man. Why is Jamie Carragher so smug? Well, I've put, I'm biased, so I'll leave this one to you, Ross, but I've just put, he won loads, didn't he? Uh, he's a Liverpool legend. Um, I haven't a bad word to say about Cara apart from the time he gobbed at someone from a car. Um, but even then, I was just kind of like, ah, he's just he's he's just having a laugh. <laughs> that was a young girl that he gobbed at, by the way. Yeah, but I'm not making excuses for it. But... <laughs> it sounds like you're making a little couple of excuses. Um, I think just in terms of punditry, he's so cocky because he knows he knows more than everybody else. That man's knowledge. Uh, there's a couple of times on the CBS, like I want, I'm subscribed to their YouTube channel, what he does with Kate Abdo and Henri and Big Meeks for the American TV. And there's a couple of times we've had a couple of trivia sort of games and the stuff he knows about just straight away from the 90s, the 80s, the 70s off his head is fantastic. Again, I don't know if, you know, it's TV, the magic of TV and whatnot, and they've got production teams going out behind the scenes for him, but the other people aren't saying those things, but he is. So I think that's why he's so smug. Yeah, at his time at Liverpool, it was often said that he's just, he's obsessed with football. Like he'd go home and have a couple of screens on with like Dutch B League and stuff. And he just absorbed everything. And there was a picture of um, the plane once when we were going to a, a European Cup game and everyone's got, you know, big massive headphones on. And Carragher's at the back reading a broadsheet paper, just reading the sports sections. Um, so much so that when that when Carragher and Gerard were both nearing the ends of their careers, everyone assumed Gerard would go into punditry and Carragher would go into management because it was just known that he just had this football brain on him. Mm. And then when the reverse happened, everyone was a bit sideswiped by it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he should still do it. I don't think he ever will, though. Gary Neville's ruined it for him. <laughs> the next question comes from Ty Ty Tyler underscore seven. What was your favourite school slash park ground football moment while playing? Now, Jack Atkins, what position were you in your youth? In my youth, uh, anywhere because I wasn't very good at football. When I became a, a, a young man and would play five aside, I'd usually try and play. I'd, fi- I'd always find myself kind of. Uh, fullback in a five-a-side somehow. I'd just be like, oh, I'll kind of like sit back, but I'll occupy that occupy that space on the wing. Wow. What about you? You were a goalkeeper, weren't you? I was no, a, that was Aiden. I was a centre-back um, yeah. who also played goalkeeper from time to time. I got I got, a, I got a couple of county appearances as goalkeeper when I was in year five. <laughs> and then I realised I wasn't, I wasn't going to be very tall, so I was like, I'll be centre-back instead. Yeah. 
Might as well go. I still had hopes of being a footballer. Died when I was about 14. It was a shame. Anyway, my highlight from my playing career is turning out for Long Horsley Juniors. And it was the final game of the season, a beautiful May afternoon, but it was boiling, scorching hot. And we were having this game against a team. I can't remember who it was, but we were sort of, we had to win the game to win the league. And the goalkeeper was up for a corner because they were trying to get an equaliser in this team, who I think were near the bottom, I can't remember, but we had to win the game. We were like, they, they brought the goalkeeper up, but we were like so many goals ahead already, so they're just like, we're doing it for the, the S's and the G's. And the the ball broke from our goalkeeper, sort of punched the ball from their corner, and it's sort of going out to the right-hand channel, but in our half, and I've just, I've got the Predator pulses on, the real ones, which at the time I was pretending I had, you know, remember the, the price used to do for Predator football boots, the real ones with the big thing on the on the heel. Uh, there yeah. was a certain price up to a size six. Then if you went above a size six, you had to pay the adult price, which was like 120 quid. My man was never paying that 120 quid. So for a season and a half, I squeezed my grown feet into these size sixes just because they were the dog's bollocks of football boots. Predator pulse, 2004, those ones, unbelievable. And yeah, I was wearing those, so I was feeling bit like David Beckham and the ball's broke on the right hand channel empty goal the goalkeeper's not there and I've just gone like that and I've whipped it swazzed it a little bit of bend one bounce two bounce in the open goal seals the league I'm off I'm lifting the trophy captain's armband on <laughs> did we we hoid up like the front cover of uh, Sing When You're Winning by Robbie Williams <laughs> I wasn't, unfortunately. It was very subdued because it was like, it was one of those uh, fields where there was like 20, 15, 20 pitches. It was massive, like a massive mm. field. Some of them were like seven-a-side games for the younger age groups, and I was, was like on the 11-a-side at the other end. So all the teams were sort of surrounded, and you had to go up and get your league trophy with every, like 40-odd teams looking at you, 30-odd teams, whatever it was. And so just to get there and go like, yay, because I was like 13 and very shy. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the highlight there. <laughs> but you said you said your your dreams of football died when you were fourteen. Was this like one of your last hurrahs then? Oh, I don't know. The, the dream was still alive. That was year seven. The, like towards the end of year seven. Year eight is yeah. where it died for me because I was just like, I'm really not good enough here. No. <laughs> I'm really not good enough here. Okay, especially when you realise you're not going to be tall enough. That's when you start to realise like what sort of height you're going to be. Or it felt I felt like to me that's what I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be as big as a Premier League goalkeeper would have to be. So I was like, yes, we'll just be a centre back now. I'd just butcher well, fuck because I'm a mug, a thug, a rapscallion. <laughs> so my, my highlights because I didn't, I wasn't good enough or didn't have the drive to you know like play good i don't really have too great of a competitive streak within me whenever we play five aside you know just to try and keep fit and some of my mates would get fuming i'd be like what score was it last week they'd be like don't know it's like exactly it doesn't matter just be proud of your own performance <laughs> don't start bollocking and starting fights um i was one of them at uni like we had the five aside league on a monday like the student um five aside league and i was get i would get angry for no hmm. reason just a sad, pathetic existence, isn't it? You've not got too much else going on. you got no girlfriend or real, like, you know, outside the pitch life, so to speak. So you just, that's all you care about is winning on a Monday night at goals. Yeah. <laughs> really is shameful looking back on it. Anyway, continue. <laughs> so, I've, like, I've got, I've got two from when I was, you know, in my 20s playing, like you're saying, just farting around with your mates, five aside, Monday night. There was one time when I actually pulled off a roulette, went round me mate and slotted it in, which was a thing of beauty because I never scored 
Um, my mate Phil always used to say, you never score, but when you do, every time it's a worldie. And another, t- <laughs> another time was playing in on the AstroTurf pitches. No, it wasn't even AstroTurf. It was like a horrible glassy sand by the Asda. And uh, just getting it other side of the pitch and just bouncing it once off my chest, bounce it on the floor and just put me laces right through it, not expecting anything. Clipped the underside of the bar and went in and everyone looked at me saying, where did that come from? I was like, I don't know. That's not going to happen for at least another nine months. Get used <laughs> to me playing crap again. In terms of school, this is going to sound better than it was because in year six, I scored an overhead kick. <laughs> We're not talking an acrobatic bicycle kick. We're talking, I had my back to the goal. The ball came over me and I threw my leg in the air like a horse. <laughs> Surprised I didn't pull anything. It bounced off my foot. When it arced over, it went over Chris Smith in net and into the goal. Uh, and the other one was, I had the game of my life in year six. Piss and rain, sponge ball. We got bollocked and got told to come in because it was teaming down. Scored two, including a peach of a tap-in with an assist by LFC Carling Cup winning midfielder Jay Spearing. <laughs> That's a hell of a claim to fame, that mind. <laughs> he's, uh, I, I went to school with him, grew up with him, really nice lad, but it always pains me that he's four days younger than me. And from, I think he got signed to Liverpool when we were in year three. Yeah, and, um, three? My I think it was God. Year th- yeah, he was signed early and it was just like looking back on it, being like, oh, at the, in year three, they'd already determined that this boy who was four, three or four days younger than me was going to earn a lot more money than I ever would. Fantastic. <laughs> I tell you, from the school stuff, I was the our school year's goalkeeper back in the Chantry Middle School days. So if mm. anyone from Morpeth watching the podcast, they'll know the Chantry Middle School and Newminster Middle School, they share a driveway. So it's like one field's there and the next field's there. It's like Dundee and Dundee United, but with middle schools. Um, <laughs> so our league for the school year in year eight, I think it was like heading into year nine. Yeah, yeah, year eight. At the end of year eight, it came down to a playoff at the top of the league. So I think we both finished on the same point. It wasn't the, the neighbouring schools. It was us and some other school. I forget. It was maybe Ashton High School, where the Charltons mm. are from, and Jackie Mill in that, that little town and they had to come we had to find a neutral venue for this game so somehow the game ended up being played on Newminster school field which is the one that was right next to Chantry school field so this was the playoff for, for the for the league and it came down to a penalty shootout and Tweddle saves two but then Tweddle didn't get man of the match which I was irate about <laughs> <laughs> but I don't forget the, the penalty that clinched the league this lad he was only little he came up and he scuffed it and it was just bobbling really really slowly it was like a dry like you know end of the season pitch as well like yeah. the, the, the goal mouth was just completely sanded over because of you know how it gets used through the season and whatnot. and it was just bobbling and bobbling but I'd already dived to go that way so I had to somehow go like ha and just stuck a leg out and just booted it away and that's how I won the league it was fantastic <laughs> what a moment it was he was in tears he was because he scuffed his penalty whoever it was what a knobhead and did everyone pick you up on the shoulders like the front cover to Rob Williamson when you win it no it was a pylon so it was I'll never forget that I hated pylons painful experiences weren't they anyway my life's been downhill ever since then our final Roberto mailbag this week comes from Beat Bitter Sweet Chin M on the Instagram what do you think of the points deduction for Everton new stadium in the championship lol well this news just broke an hour before we came and sat down here so these are very very fresh Hot takes, I'd say. All the, not all mm. the information's out there. No, Everton's released a statement where they said they're going to appeal the decision. If I was Everton, 
I'll just take it and move on because if they win one game and the other teams down there don't win that one game, they're already out the bottom three. So just take the hit. You're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I think as weird as this is to say, uh, points deductions come at the right time because they're in form. And like you said, they haven't even gone bottom. They've gone 19th, but they've not even gone bottom. Um, the thing that surprised they were very quick on that decision, weren't they? This is the thing. My first thought when I saw, oh, Everton's been deducted 10 points, it wasn't Everton's been deducted 10 points. Oh, dear, what's going to happen? It's City have 115 charges over their heads that allegedly they might have done, allegedly not. Chelsea, every single bet of their success over the past 20 years is coming to disrepute because of offshore things and whatever we spoke about on the podcast on Wednesday involving Roman Abramovich. It feels really severe that Everton, off the back of one thing, have been deducted 10 points. When if City have been found, if they do get found guilty of 115, they've got to go down to the Conference North. They'd surely get liquidated, wouldn't they? I mean, how do you, it feels really harsh never to get 10 points for one thing when we have current investigations going on for 115 charges of one club and every single bit of success for 20 years for another club. It's, 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 I think I know what's going on, though. I think a large portion of people on social media and whatnot had a quick browse before we came and sat down here. It just feels like the Premier League, there's obviously a lot of questions being asked of Newcastle, Saudi dealings and whatnot, and maybe Qatar getting involved in Man United. The Premier League are obviously other, other circumstances as well. The potential of an independent regulator sort of overseeing the Premier League. Is this the yeah. Premier League using Everton to show everybody that there doesn't need to be this independent regulator and those who are in power at the top of the Premier League already? can show they have the power to do certain things by picking on Everton. Time will tell because if they do, you know, on a pro rata basis, if that's the right way to put it, if it's one, you know, one breach and it's 10 points for Everton, is it going to be 1,500 points for Manchester City or whatever? Um, I don't know. It just it's, We'll have to wait and see what happens with City and Chelsea before having a final say. That's my opinion. But it does feel Everton are being used for a bigger thing that's got nothing to do with them. Yeah, I mean... That's what they better follow up, like we were saying, on City and Chelsea, or they'll be held to pay. Because I have a horrible feeling that the Premier League are going to be saying, "Oh, look, we no, no, we're taking this seriously." Everton have been charged. Oh, look, we've got a new sponsorship. You know, just kind of yeah. Um, and obviously, I've got members of my family are Everton fans. Um, I've already spoken to my nephew about it, and he's fuming. But like I said, with this is only broken in the last what hour? Yeah. But if I was Everton, I just I'd take. I know it's harsh to take, but I yeah. just I I would just take it just because I guess when you are appealing, is there a chance it could be more severe? Which obviously you don't want, but there obviously could be a chance that it's less severe, which would be nice. But that's not guaranteed. Like from my perspective here of not knowing anything about anything. But even if it was more severe, surely it'd only be like by a couple of points. I can't imagine them being like, "Oh no, you failed your appeal. You've now been docked thirty points." Yeah. Like I can't, I can't see something like that. But... Imagine if it was that severe. Mm. <laughs> this is, then they won't well, be buggered. This is going to be the measuring stick now. It's going to be like, oh, so one breach equates ten points. Yeah. So. Because that's what we were saying the other day, because obviously these three situations with City, Everton and Chelsea hadn't been touched on when we record the podcast on Wednesday. So we were saying whoever jumps first, that's then the barometer for the other two. And that's a a high bar they've set with one breach equaling 10 points. Again, we'll have to see what happens with City and Chelsea. I would wager, with the Premier League being the way the Premier League are, it won't be as severe as what Everton have had done to them. Probably not, no. They're set. A fine. They'll give them a fine. Like the six clubs who tried to get away from them. They gave them a fine. No points deductions there, was there? Eh? Yeah. 
Eh? Bastards. Right, back to our teams of the season so far. We're on to the front three. I'm going to assume we've got... Well, after your your Spurs revelation there, I reckon we might have the same front three. Do you want to just say them at the same time? Do you want to go right winger, left winger, striker in terms of how we say them? Yeah. Go on then. Three, two, one. Salah. Salah. Son. Son. Haaland. Haaland. Yeah. (laughs) Brout. Brout. (laughs) Erling Brout, Haaland. Yeah, but yeah, 10 goals for Salah. Eight goals for Son. Jared Bowen was my other option there instead of Son, but I think Son, his return to form, I know he's been playing a slightly different position this season as well for Spurs. I think that counts in his favour as well, even though Bowen's been fantastic. And Mr. Brown Harland himself, 13 goals. Even though it feels like he hasn't been as good this season as he was last season, he's still the top goal scorer by three clear goals. <laughs> that, that That's what I was thinking coming into this. I thought, oh, well, it's going to be Salah and Son. I was like, oh, it's probably not Haaland. He's having a quiet season. I was like, oh, hang on. 13 goals and 12 appearances. He's insane. And this is him being quiet. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, um, insane. But like you said, 10 and 12 for Salah, who's 31. You could play like crap and still come away with two goals and... Like we say every week about Son, he just looks so free. Free. Free as a bird when he's playing. <laughs> a cockerel. Free as a cockerel. Um, but yeah, I guess there's nothing more to be said there. They just speak for themselves, don't they? Who was, who was near to your front three? I thought with Watkins, I was going to put Bowen in there. Was anybody else? Bowen's a good shout. Um, Dominic Solanke, I think, as well. Um, he's been the focal point for an impressive Bournemouth side, 6-12, and 12, which is already his tally for last season. Um, considering he's had, you know, a, a stuttering Premier League career, I think is the safe way of putting it. But um, yeah, I, I've got I've got some honourable mentions for midfield as well. Now we've done our full eleven. Go on then. So I've got uh, Pakatar because I just think he's just so wonderful to watch. As Mercurial. Well. <laughs> Ooh, uh, I've I've gone for Cole Palmer. Um, that was he's, he's been a bit of a late a Johnny come lately for me in terms of the team of the season so far if he keeps it up and we do this video again in the international break in March or whatever I reckon he could be in there yeah well he's he's four and nine already and he's only 21 uh, big money move which we questioned well I definitely questioned at the time and my other one is um, this is one just purely from the heart it's Dominic Sobersly he's, he's made me he's made me fall in love again Ross <laughs> Why, Jackins? Why? Tell me more. Um, he's just, as the kids say, he knows ball. He's just, he's amazing. He's just fantastic. Everything about his play, even when, if if Liverpool are galloping ahead, he's still eager to press forward. He can pick out Hollywood balls. He can pick up a game by the scruff of the neck. He's just smooth. He's just wonderful. Wonderful. A smooth criminal. Mm. another one that got away for Newcastle another one my god anyway mm. that's it for the team of the season so far let us know what yours are down below continue to send your Roberto Mailbaggio submissions to ross at holdandgive.com normal service resumes a week today in terms of the podcast keep your eye on the channel for some Friday Fun Club minutes return with guess the transfer club A club B transfer fee in the middle which was the player involved you can watch that video by clicking one of these boxes here and you can click other boxes here with other the videos on by that there hold and give please kick click them don't kick them don't kick your computer that wouldn't be very very helpful for anybody just please click the videos because it's the most helpful thing you can do in terms of youtube watching today like the video leave a comment share it if you're feeling fruity i've been ross twaddle joined by clive f any closing remarks clive happy birthday by the way thanks
35, 35 now. Ooh. Dropping down um, the leagues. He's dropping down the leagues. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna t- <laughs> turn out for Shrewsbury Town soon. <laughs> One last final hurrah. Just doing it for the love of the game. Uh but no, I'm surprised at how uh, cohesive our two elevens were. Bit of, you know, bit of jiggery pokery in the back four, but um yeah, midfield and front. Same page, pretty much. God, I love jiggery pokery. We'll see you next time, everybody. <laughs>